All right, I want to welcome everyone to the Building Fires podcast. I'm Corey McCain, your co-host, CEO of WeStrive. I'm Farhad Jamayan, the CEO of Canna. Boom. So every week we interview some of the coolest entrepreneurs on the planet. They've had billion dollar exits, absolutely killing it. And we figure out how they did it, why they did it. And we try and get tips for everyone on how to really grow a company. Absolutely. Totally unscripted, casual conversations where we get to, you know, that real deep dive view of exactly what went down. But a lot of fun, really great. Tune in. (laughs) Building fires. So we had uh, Adele Archer this week with uh, Eternova, an incredible company. I actually first uh, found out about her when I was watching Shark Tank years ago. I've seen her episode multiple times and she absolutely kills it on the podcast or on the Shark Tank episode, ends up getting a Mark Cuban deal. So yeah, and then, you know, just happened that a couple months ago that I found out she won SoGal in Silicon Valley where we were pitching too, but amazing company. She has such an incredible founder journey that she shares with us through this episode and super excited that we got a chance to chat with her. Very cool. Wait, was SoGal, was that in, that was, in, was that virtual or was it? Uh, no, that was an in-person uh, kind you, of. You pitched in, you pitched in San Fran? Uh, Vu went and pitched for me. I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't go to pitch. Yeah, yeah. we won cool. the Dallas round and then, you know, pretty much made the finals, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Very cool. Anyways, not enough about us, or enough about you. We're about to Adele. Yes. Good stuff, dude. <laughs> no, so she is, uh, yeah, obviously an amazing founder. Um, they just raised another round. They're about to move into the biggest diamond what factory? Like manufacturing yeah. facility where they grow diamonds in their lab. So, yeah, a lot of amazing updates. Um, a lot of really great perspective into their mission. And enjoy this episode. Boom. Farhaj and I are pumped to have you. Uh, you know, you're crazy busy because, you know, you just you know, just raise around and you're, you know, your business is killing it and you guys are doing well. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can kind of tell the world who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff, we'll kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Adele. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Eternova. And, um, you know, what we do is we celebrate really remarkable people when they pass by making real diamonds um, from the carbon in their ashes. Um, So we use lab-grown diamond technology um, and extract the carbon from cremated remains and grow a real diamond above ground, um, you know, using that process. Uh, Overall, though, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think, like, what's interesting is, like, we really don't identify as a diamond company in any way. You know, we're a millennial owned business and, you know, we kind of started a turn of after a personal loss of my own and, you know, just saw such an opportunity to just completely provide a different experience in the space, you know, and bring some brightness and celebration and, you know, levity to remembering our most important people and, and pets. Um, and also just to help somebody through a grieving process. So, you know, we really, that's that's our overall mission is to change a culture around death, grief, and remembrance, and not have it be something that's so taboo anymore. What was like the ignition point for the idea? Um, and I guess like how you know did you just get inspired to to start building it? <laughs> it's it's such yeah. a cool idea, honestly, and I think it means a lot to a lot of people for sure. I bet you know you have some amazing stories that you've heard from your customers today. Oh my gosh, it, like every single diamond that we do, the story behind it will like make you cry in the best way possible. Um, 
And, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is such a funny thing to, you know, to be like, how the heck did you get into this? Cause you couldn't have seen that when you were like trying to figure out what you wanted to be when you grew up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Um, but yeah, so my, my background, I, I, um, have my MBA in entrepreneurship. So, you know, it, it really was a matter of time before I went from tech. Um, I was working in technology. Me and my co-founder Garrett were both in tech together. Um, and you know, it was a matter of time before we went off and started a company. Um, so we were looking originally in the regular lab-grown diamond space. You know, just thought that technology was so interesting and yeah. you know, very up and coming. A lot of younger people are gravitating towards a lab-grown diamond over a mine diamond. Um, and as we were looking at that um, and trying to decide, you know, where in the supply chain we wanted to insert ourselves, where was the best opportunity, um, I actually, on a very personal side of my life, had my very close friend and my business mentor um, get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and, you know, pretty quickly from her diagnosis to passing, um, you know, it was a couple of months. And um, Tracy was just like one of the most unbelievably special and, and amazing people I've ever had the privilege of knowing. And, um, you know, she didn't have kids and she wasn't married. And so she and I just had a very special relationship. Um, you know, she was training to become an executive coach. And so I was kind of like her guinea pig and I would go over to her house every single week. And, you know, it was just like, she was like another, you know, kind of parent figure really. And, um, wow. yeah, sorry to hear amazing, that. Amazing person. Yeah. But, you know, I think when Tracy passed, um, me, her, um, her aunt and uh, another friend were just like, okay, well, Tracy doesn't have next of kin. So like, it's on us to, you know, do something amazing for her because she deserves it and make sure she's not forgotten. And so I started just, you know, again, on, on a personal side of my life, doing research on what are the different options that you can do with ashes, how, you know, what are different memorialization options? Um, and having never had any exposure to the space before, not, you know, having lost somebody super close to me, um, it was just really eye opening. I was just like, man, you know, everything that I was finding was just super trinkety and like cheapy. And, you know, yeah. like, the tone was totally off. Like, I don't know, it's just like, so either like somber, morose, and like reserved and or just like overly transactional. And you're like, yeah, y'all are kind of missing the point, you know, like, this is such a like this was such an amazing person and it just feels like we lack meaningful ways to honor, you know, our, our important connections. So it was over dinner with one of the diamond scientists we were working with. He just even mentioned this idea and like that this was possible. And there was a company that was doing it at the time. And he just blew my mind because he had no idea I was looking for what to do with ashes, you know, and had been for a while. And it just was like, oh, my gosh, this is a sign. I have to do this for her. That is amazing. Um, so I went to go start the process. And it was just honestly kind of a turnoff experience, just very, very um, transactional, did not ask like who this was for, or her relationship to me. And as I wanted yeah. to understand how the process worked, it was just not transparent. And you got to feel comfortable, you know, sending your loved one away and knowing that their ashes are really going in this diamond. And, you know, so I just wasn't able to kind of get to that comfort level with them. And, you yeah. know, so the more that we looked into it, we're like, man, this feels like an amazing way to honor somebody. And like, no wonder nobody's heard about it. It just feels like it's getting executed on wrong. Um, so that was really kind of this unexpected turn. And I was like, well, I, I want to do a diamond for Tracy. So regardless of whether this is a business or not, 
you know, I'll be happy. And turns out a lot of people also resonate with wanting to do something amazing for their loved ones. And Eternal was born. That's incredible. And obviously, I'm really sorry for your loss. Um, Thank you. But I mean, that, that's, a, that's such a cool business model to come out of that. Uh, and so one, one thing I wanted to ask is uh, kind of off the off the business for a second. Um, mm-hmm. when, when you got your master's in entrepreneurship, did you feel like this pressure to go, okay, well, I have to start a company now? Or did you feel like you couldn't kind of could just go any route? It's a great question. I think a lot of people feel that for sure. Um, you just, you feel this like obligation or expectation of I've now identified myself as an entrepreneur. So, you know, you might feel yeah, exactly. falling out quote unquote to go back to, you know, uh, a nine to five. I was super young when I graduated, I was 23. Um, and so I had not worked, you know, in my first chapter was in politics. So I had actually worked at a think tank in DC. So I had never really worked in like a grown up business before or really you know, seeing what that was like. So I wanted to go into tech because I wanted to get next to some great leaders and just, you know, see how they thought about things and, you know, see a scaled up business and how it operates, what the different functions are, you know, not have to kind of learn it all the hard way and bang my head against a wall. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I was I was pretty clear on, on wanting to do that. Um, but then I think like one of my biggest, you know, kind of takeaways and what I say to a lot of other people that want to start companies is like, Definitely be patient and make sure that whatever idea that, you know, you're you're going to work on is one that like is going to be a good business because I think you feel that pressure and so you just want to jump into something. But, you know, gosh, like it's going to be like five to 10 years of your life that you might be signing up for. So, you know, it doesn't mean don't test things, definitely test things. But, you know, before completely going all in, make sure there's an intense customer need, you know, like you've got good barriers, you know, to competition, there's a good size market, you know, all kind of the the checklist of things you want to make sure it has those characteristics before just committing, you know, a whole chapter of your life to it. So outside of school, like, were you involved in any accelerators, pre-accelerator programs, things like that, that helped you kind of set yourself up for success or... Not really. Um, you know, looking back on it, I, I, I probably would have done an accelerator. Um, but okay. you know, <laughs> we, we started out bootstrapping and, you know, that was just like, God, that's, that's school that's of the hard cool. it's sort of like a <laughs> trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, for sure though. For sure. It's, yeah. I think it's so good for you. You know, um, we bootstrapped our yeah. personal sales and, and it was just like, you're so intent, you learn how to manage cash flow and you're so intentional about how you invest. Um, yeah. it's just good fundamentals. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we're just really fortunate to have a wonderful, um, community of investors and advisors like our first seed round that we raised um was only strategic angels and pretty much every single angel um that joined that round are you know founders and entrepreneurs that have built and sold companies you know to 300 million plus exits and so i feel like we just had really really good folks around us and i am not shy with picking up the phone and being like hey help me think through this thing so i think uh we've been very fortunate I love that. Well, I was gonna say that's incredible because like my my investors and I are really good friends, but like they're they're all like you know they're really good at marketing yeah. for Disney or they're really they're really good at building apps for Airbnb, but none of them are like startup experienced. So yeah, um, I can I can vouch just on the advice that I give other people that you know being in a startup is so different than working at any company. So I mean, 
like I, I've, been, I've been saying for years the all the investor any investor i want from now on is just someone that has actually been in my shoes otherwise mm. it's like okay how are we going to grow the company mm-hmm. okay we're going to put a million dollars into marketing okay great thanks for the advice yeah. um so it's like you know i need like like all the hustly stuff i have to make up, make up myself because my investors don't have that hustly experience and it's not like it's not it's not a dog on them like they're they're great mm-hmm. at what they do yeah they've just never built the company so totally yeah so that's that's cool that you have those i think farhaj is in the same boat now too he's got a lot of uh yeah um, yeah i mean my last company you know we kind of worked on it for two and a half years and went through the whole rodeos you know brown dude was like kind of had a mullet then <laughs> but in like texas <laughs> raising money from people who just didn't get what we were building um, yeah. And this time around, we were a lot more intentional about who we let onto our cap table. And I call yeah. it like the rainiest day check. You know, when yeah. everything is going wrong, am I comfortable giving a call to this person and knowing they'll have my back and walk me through and give me advice on how to move forward? Oh, um, yeah. And definitely one of the best decisions I've made. And I think it's just like, you know, the distribution insight that they can give you into how mm-hmm. to build really defensible acquisition and retention strategies. Like, mm-hmm. it's worth its weight in gold. So. Yeah, oh also going to say, I saw your picture, SoGal, and congratulations. That was oh, awesome. Way. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. My co-founder was pitching there, and he was like, hey, you got to check out Adele at Erneva. And I was like, what? And then I saw Harold posted about you, and I was like, how does Harold know her? And then, yeah, I think we have a couple of degrees of separation, but Harold's amazing. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I he's love him. In yeah. Oh, cool. No way. That's awesome. Yeah, he yeah actually, I, he's we great. We had Harold in the podcast too. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, small world. I think that's how it ignited it too because I, I had obviously seen your Shark Tank episode and we'll touch on that in a sec, but then I had also seen you somewhere else, but then Harold posted it and I was like, oh yeah, huh, I should probably hit her up for an episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Um, but uh, I want to actually introduce you to someone um, after the episode. Her name's uh, Schmitty, but she reached – Ironically, she reached out to me yesterday over LinkedIn. She's like a really successful entrepreneur herself. We had uh-huh. her on the podcast too. Uh-huh. And she was like, hey, do you know um, Adele with, uh, it's pronounced Eternal? Yeah, Eternal. Eternal and never She's... forget. Okay. Ooh, wow. That's awesome. Got it. To be like, what's the meaning? But then, yeah. uh, wow, blown away. That's perfect. <laughs> But yeah, literally yesterday she messaged me. She's like, because we're connected on LinkedIn. So she's like, do you know Adele with the Turnova? And I was like, I'm interviewing her tomorrow. This That's is hilarious. <laughs> so, so yeah, very, very small world. Um, Heck yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're based in Dallas, right? We're in Austin, actually. Austin. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I just feel like the Texas startup scene is so awesome. Like, I, Oh my gosh, it's so great. Coming, like coming from LA, I literally created my own entrepreneurship group. And we were getting like 100 people per event because uh-huh. there's no other there's like nothing else. There's like one other dude doing it out of all of LA. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I totally agree. Like I came here for school and then I just stayed because it's just such a great business culture and everybody's very like all boats rise here. We want to help each other out, like put Austin on the map and it's just, it's a great place to start a company. Yeah, absolutely. And I still haven't been to Austin yet, but I have a bunch of friends that have moved there and just love it. So (laughs) oh yeah, um, I'm I'm for sure going to have to make a, a visit out there soon. Yeah. Um, so let, let's kind of break down your, uh, your shark tank experience. We, I've had about like, I think seven people that have been on shark tank on this podcast. So oh, it's cool. like, I, I, it's, well, it's cool to, to hear all their different stories. Like yeah. I've had people that have like peed their pants before they pitch. I've had people <laughs> that have like just freaked out and had like a panic attack. So it's like, um, but obviously we've had great stories too. So, I mean, yeah. um, 
you're uh can you can you kind of just break through or break down the like the the game day experience of being on Shark Tank? Oh my gosh, yes, definitely. Um what an experience first of all. It's it's definitely I'm I'm not one to be easily rattled, but that was uh that was one of the like more kind of angsty things that I've ever done. Um but yeah. yeah, I mean, you like you go into it, you have to prepare so much. Like it's definitely not like any other investor pitch, you know, because you just you have to be ready for kind of the TV dynamics of it where everybody's going to be kind of talking over each other at the same time and asking a million questions. And, you know, you want to make sure you get your through lines through. So you have to be selective in which questions you're answering and, you know, be really quick with how you're responding. So we practiced a lot with our investors, um, you know, and did kind of like mock um, Q&A sessions, um, which was actually hilarious. Our our advisor, David Rubin, was so good at being a mean shark that like at one point we just had like an epic face plant. Like we just completely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got this over with before the show. So, yeah, I was like, I can't get worse than that. And then fortunately, it definitely didn't. Um but yeah, I mean, they were they were not easy on us. I would not uh, characterize it as that. It was a very intense episode, and our negotiation was super intense. Um, you know, we and it's not like five minutes like you see on TV, right? You oh, spend no. a pretty solid amount of time with them, actually presenting and going through the different parts of your business and the diligence. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we were out there for probably an hour. Um, wow. And yeah, like our our negotiation was probably like thirty minutes. Um, and the the crew offsite was like that is the most intense negotiation we've seen on the show (laughs) (laughs) it was was intense um but it was great i mean we're we're very happy we got a top five percent valuation ever offered on shark tank so that just was like super rewarding and but more importantly it was just like realizing that um death death as a topic had never been broached on the show and so this was it just felt like a moment you know for our industry to be opening up a conversation on a national stage about how we remember our loved ones and, you know, about grief. And it just really feels like the next frontier of, you know, what Calm and Headspace, you know, have started to do with depression and anxiety. You know, we think grief is the next frontier of that. And it's just cool to be kind of given that opportunity to be talking about it on a national scale. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I can't imagine like, um, you know, and I've said this every time, but like this, the pressure of being on that show, I used, I used to live actually down the street from Sony. So I always wanted oh. to, to put in my application, but our MRR was way too low and I knew I would get the, so what are your sales question? And then I would just like, you know, shit the bed. So I was just like, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even close to ready for this. Um, I know. Yeah. It's, it's nerve wracking. It was really cool though, because, um, I mean, talk about like, I don't know, like, like we talk a lot about kind of the psychology of like having your loved one's diamond. And that day I had Tracy's diamond and I had my grandma's diamond. My grandma was um, a famous movie actress. And so it's just kind of this like very like, yeah, like moment where I was like, okay, my grandma is here, you know, helping me show up and, you know, kind of be ready to be on set. And then Tracy's my business mentor. So like, we're going to objection handle these questions together and, you know, getting to, uh, kind of feel their presence there that day. It was just like totally felt like kind of a, a moment of grace, you know, and, and a really special connection point. I feel like I had to have I with love them. that. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And then, mm-hmm. and then what was the, cause there's always like the whole post like airing situation. So like, did you guys just blow up in sales or was it like a slow growth or like, what was the, what was the once it aired situation? 
Yeah. Well, so what's so interesting, I think, about Eternova is that um, we're a very word of mouth driven business. Um, and so, yes, we definitely had the huge pop of, you know, traffic and sales and all that that comes with Shark Tank because it's a huge audience. But it's what's really interesting is to actually watch like the second and third degree um, connections that happen like months after the show, because it'll be somebody that yeah. watches it you know, that's a hairdresser and then they'll be telling all of their clients about it. And, you know, one of their clients might've just lost their dad. And then they start they're like, Oh my God, I just heard about this amazing company on shark tank. You should check them out. They have a whole grief changing process around the diamond. And, you know, when somebody hears about it from a friend, they're kind of given permission to explore something new and different, you know, than maybe what your traditional options have always been around, you know, how we honor our loved ones. And so I think it just also helps kind of break down that, um, barrier that some people might feel on, you know, it, like, is this acceptable? What will people think? You know, it's, it's so much more special when a friend recommends it. No, absolutely. And, and I also feel like, um, I mean, I'm personally kind of in this boat too. Like, I feel like the, the whole death thing is, is like, I feel like I personally push back against, you know, that platform. But at the same time, I think you like a product like your guys is so, so cool because you you really cherish like, um, you know, a moment that's like really difficult in someone's life. So, I mean, mm -hmm. what, uh, what, what are like the main, uh, or I guess I'll say when someone pushes back at you, you know, says blah, 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 you shouldn't be doing this or something like that. Like what are, what are the main things that you'll say to that? Like, what are your, you know, kind of rebuttals to those statements? Yeah, totally. Well, I think, and, and, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible, but I think like a lot of people that might feel that way to haven't experienced a really close loss yet. Um, and, you know, when you go through that, what you realize and what you learn is that culturally we're really bad at supporting people through a grieving process. Um, everybody yeah. gets like weird and awkward about it and stops talking about their loved one. And it's a really isolating experience, you know, like grief is not over when a funeral is over and it can be a very long and drawn out, um, you know, process. And so I think what really resonates with our customers is First of all, I mean, like they'll come and, and they'll do initially do this because they're like, I want to remember my loved one in a, you know, in a bright and positive way. Like I want to be able to have a diamond that I have with me every single day, you know, through all of life's moments. I look down, I feel a connection point with them, not an urn that's collecting ashes in the back of my closet, you know, but then they start to realize like the experience that we've created around the diamond process because it takes about eight months to do. It's like a super crazy intricate process with a ton of different stages and steps we've yeah. designed like a whole experience for them to go on so every month we're sending pictures and videos and updates and like we've learned all about their loved one from the get-go and you know we're incorporating like storytelling throughout and like really honoring who their loved one is and we have um these dedication pages where they can you know both their friends and their family and their community can follow the diamond journey. And what's really special about that is it just creates something that's like comfortable for people to like check in on. It's like, I think people are a little bit uncomfortable to say like, you know, Oh, you must be thinking about Katie today, but they can say like, Hey, like, do you have any updates on Katie's diamond? Like, oh, I'd love to see. And when they do see an update, sharing it on social media and like the family just feels so much more supported. Um, and it, and it gives everybody something to talk about and like continue to look forward to and to celebrate. Um, so we just see people like 
coming out the other side, you know, eight months later in a different place with their grief because they've had a process to go through. Um, and, you know, it's it's just fascinating. Like we have Baylor University. They're um, one of their top grief theorists was meeting a few customers and was like, OK, like this is fascinating. There really is something to this. And so she's studying how our process actually you know, quantitatively help somebody through grief. Um, so we're we're doing some some pretty groundbreaking new grief theory research together around what it means to be kind of active through a grieving process and have a legacy project to lean into. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I just think it's so much more than you know what might initially meet the eye for folks, and then when they eventually have an experience personally or they have a friend or family member that's gone through it, um, you know, they start to see like oh, wow, like they could really use this right now versus like nothing at all and having to bottle it all up. Yeah, I was going to say, and I checked out y'all's website, a lot of like the kind of the digital footprint that you live behind. And it's very intentional with how proactive uh, and like over communicative y'all are with like making them involved in the process and like clearly highlighting each individual step and like, you know, how much attention to detail that you pay to honor you know, their loved one. And that was really awesome. And I also mm-hmm. love the thread that you just started about, you know, processing grief, the communication around it, because, you know, it happened to me recently, one of my good friends, like, like literally while we were out, you know, his, one of his family members, I was really close to him passed away. And mm-hmm. like, I had no real idea, you know, and I, I've noticed that even multiple times, like, I haven't really learned how to be empathetic and supportive. Mm-hmm. In a way that is net positive to somebody who's experiencing grief. Mm-hmm. And this is just like a conversation that's not happening a lot. And with everything going on around the world right now, I think it's very important to understand. And the work that you're doing is so important. So just wanted to say, appreciate you big time for that. And you know, hopefully this starts a trend of new companies, new people, and new conversations. On the other hand, though, I also notice y'all over-index a lot on the science. So yeah. this might be a good time to talk about the process, you know, uh, the the engineering marvels that you've achieved and what the future looks like for the company. Yeah, totally. I mean, we uh, we are obviously like like the whole. What's so fascinating, I think, about this process is like we in our lab, um, which our lab is always open to anybody that wants to come check out a really badass and cool diamond lab in Austin. We give tours. Um, yes, we got the visit, Corey. It's awesome. And uh, we're actually about to move into a even larger facility. We're going to have the largest um, HPHT diamond lab in the country here in Austin. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are you guys passing up? Should, there, should we walk in? <laughs> <and bring them? laughs> a different technology, actually, than the rest of the diamond industry. So a lot of them use CBD. So we use a different one called high pressure, high temperature. And there just isn't a lot of that being used in the US. So um, yeah, we'll be... Make a, first doing it at scale make, here. Make a little Diamond Wars TV show for the US. <laughs> there we go. But wow. you got to remember, we're not a diamond company. We're we're a celebration of life, grief, wellness. Yes. <laughs> um, pardon me, pardon me. Yeah, but um, but yeah, what's so interesting? So in our lab, we've got this like um, Venn diagram painted on the wall, and um, it's a lockup of precision and compassion, and then it's got our logo Eterna in the middle. So it's you know everything that we do. Um, 
you know, and we talk about this all the time, like our lab is run by aerospace engineers, you know, they come from aerospace backgrounds. And, you know, kind of, uh, you talk about level of precision, we're working with the love of somebody's life. And so um, there is no room, you know, for error, and you absolutely have to work on every individual one at a time and, and make sure everything is done perfectly. But it's also just as important that you appreciate that this is not a product. This is not a widget. This is the love of someone's life. And so it just requires so much compassion. And everybody on our team has to be emotionally invested in what we do. And, um, you know, like every single team member, anybody that is, um, you know, joining, as we call it, the Eternal of a family, we all know their stories. We have a tradition called inaugurations. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we all get together and our team tells us the stories of all the new people that are starting the process. And we have their picture up on in our That's office beautiful. and on our wall. So like, yeah, I mean, even our even our lab techs and even our, um, you know, machine operators, like everybody knows their individual stories. We have their pictures on our chain of custody run sheets, um, you know, so it's hyper personal. Um, but yeah, I mean, like high level on the process. Um, what we're doing is basically um, the first step is purifying the ashes into carbon. Um, and that is like a super crazy and amazing, you know, step in and of itself. Like people mostly yeah. vote the growing of the diamond, purifying the ashes is like probably the hardest part of our process. It's a multi-month process um, and multi-steps where, you know, basically we need to get it to 99.9995 um, to be able to use it in a diamond creation process and have it be pure enough. Um, wow. And that's, you know, pretty remarkable. There's about one to 4% carbon um, in ashes. And so, you know, from that we can extract enough, um, you know, to grow a couple, like we usually ask for about half a cup of ashes. And from that, we could do like five-ish diamonds typically. Um, and then once we get the carbon out, you know, we're processing it into exact exactly the, you know, shape and form that we need it. Um, and then we have these amazing machines that are replicating the same conditions as under the earth. So it's high pressure, high temperature. And over time, it's growing into a rough raw diamond. And then you know, when we get the diamond out, just like any diamond grown under the ground, you know, there's going to be imperfections and inclusions. And so you're mapping out with technology where you're going to be, um, you know, cutting the diamond within that rough stone. Um, and then we have all of our diamonds hand cut by master cutters. Um, and, uh, you know, then they're graded and certified, you know, just like a regular diamond is because they're real diamonds. Um, we can do different, all different colors, like tons of different colors. A lot of people will do, you know, something that reminds them of their loved ones. So if their loved one had blue eyes, they're like, my dad had blue eyes. Like I want to look down and like, think about his eyes. Or, you know, I did a yellow for my grandma cause she was just my little ray of sunshine. Like that's just who she is. And so, it, you know, you, people put a lot of thought into kind of color and and then we can um, do a personal inscription as well on the girdle of the diamond. So you can put, you know, just something, a, a small message or something like that. Um, and then we also help with setting um, if, if our customer wants. And then at the end, we just make this really, really special um, moment around the homecoming. Um, you know, we hand deliver every diamond and it's just an exciting day. Like people will literally have homecoming parties, you know, and it just is kind of this, you know, it, 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 there's a calm and a peace and a closure that happens that day that I think yeah. is just super special for folks. I love that. That's amazing. Um, from like a business perspective, do you have like a secondary set of things you sell like for that homecoming party or is that like not happen enough to, to do that? 
Um, no, not really. I mean, it's, it's so much of it is like, we have a customer experience team and they're with our customer throughout the entire, they're, they're kind of journey guides, if you will. Um, and so a lot of the time our customer experience team is just, you know, and they become like so close with our customers. Like we always say, like, we're best friends by the end of this, you know, we're, we're definitely not a company to customer relationship. This is like, friendship because we're meeting you at such a vulnerable time and we're asking questions that nobody else is asking. And so there's such a connection there. And um, so a lot of the time we're just like, Hey, what are you thinking for homecoming? Like, and we'll, we'll just try to give them ideas. You know, everybody's, everybody's different. Some people want to be more private. Other people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a brunch and it's going to be fabulous. And you know, like yeah, they kind exactly. of have all the, so we'll just, we'll let them know what other people are doing and just make sure it like feels right for them. You know, it, that it feels special that day. Do you have like a, um, a place you refer people to or like some sort of part of your company that like is for handling grief? Like if someone is struggling through it, like do you refer them to uh, a person or another company or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, this is actually, um, you know, where we're going and, and doing a lot more of. So, you know, we really identify as a grief wellness brand. And that's been an evolution of, you know, where we started to where we are today and realizing like, wow, you know, this process is parallel processing with someone's grief and it's helping them so much. And so how do we integrate more grief wellness and grief theory principles, you know, kind of throughout. Um, so there's a lot that we're doing, you know, more increasingly with content and, um, you know, with partnering with different uh, thought leaders in this space and, you know, offering, webinars and, and conversations, you know, for our customers and giving our customers opportunities to also meet um, and really have created such a special community because I think people that do this process are a little bit different, you know, like in meaning that they wanted to do something active, they wanted to do something to honor their loved one and, and they're choosing not to get stuck. And so when they meet each other, there can be inspiration and just, you know, connection people that understand you but also you know you're you're inspired by how they're processing their own loss and um so there's a lot that i think our customers gain by getting to be connected um but we will be doing more and more to kind of offer more formalized um grief therapy throughout the process so you know that's that's more to come yeah absolutely i, th I think there's so many opportunities for you guys for partnerships with you know, with the comms of the world. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, I think it just it like completely matches up with you guys. That's really cool that um, you're kind of moving in that direction. So mm -hmm. uh, one thing I want to ask you is your, your experience with your co-founder and like, you know, the benefits of kind of not being able to go it, you know, do it on your own. I think Farhaj and I can both vouch of, well, I think Farhaj had more, but Farhaj, did you have the co-founder? Like what was your situation with your first company? Oh, I think he, no, he had to step up for a second. Um, anyways, uh, so I'll cut that out. But uh, <laughs> I can see, we're on FaceTime. I can see that he's not there. I don't know why. Oh, asked, you're good. But, but I mean, me, me personally, uh, don't have a co-founder. I have like a team that I work with that I've been with for years. So they're kind of like my group co-founder. But there have been so many times where I would have loved to have, you know, bounced an idea off of someone that was like, you know, either another version of me or like the opposite of me. So, I mean, can you kind of touch on how nice it's been to, um, you know, have like a co-founder that's kind of been with you throughout throughout the journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think especially when you're starting a company, um, it like you're, you're really putting yourself out there and um, there's a lot of firsts and, um, you know, especially if you're a first time co-founder. And um, I think what Garrett and I really gave each other was just that 
you know, that support and that belief. And like, you know, if I was down and he was up, like he could pick me up and vice versa, you know, and it's just like, okay, like we're in this together. And then I think you just, it removes a little bit of uncertainty and doubt, you know, of just like, okay, like, like we got this, right? Like we're, we're both in it. Um, and I think you go further faster when you have that kind of like mutual um, accountability and belief and, and, and drive forward. Um, and, you know, like, it's just, it's so helpful, you know, when, when times get hard, um, you know, to have somebody that you can talk to about that. And like, you know, cause I think, they, people always say CEO is a lonely job and, you know, it, it's true. You know, there's so much that you can't always share with your team or, you know, with the friends and family that don't really understand the full context of, you know, business or, you know, different decisions you're having to make and things like that. And so I think, you know, that's another area where it's just so helpful to have a co-founder and, you know, um, kind of playing against, you know, playing off of each other's strengths. Garrett is like one of the most strategic and, um, you know, innovative and um, just really like, like his brain works like chess. (laughs) So it's just like, whenever I'm like, okay, like we're trying to get in with this company, like what's the play here? You know, it's just that we, that, uh, you know, strategizing that we do together is, you know, we, we absolutely, you know, feed off of each other. And so I think it's, it's really helpful, you know, having, uh, having somebody that you're, you're building this with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I can, I can vouch on it a little bit. It's cause I, I just moved into the same house as uh, Farhaj actually. So we're both in Oklahoma city now. Um, and it's been nice to even just oh. have these guys around the house. So if I ever have an idea, I can kind of throw an idea at them. Whereas before it was like, I was just throwing an idea at myself. So, um, it's definitely nice to have that. Right? And, and so what, what is your what is your role like as CEO now? And then can you compare that to what your role was like, you know, year two when you first got started? Oh goodness. Yeah. I mean it's it's dog years. It really is. Like, um and and it's it's crazy how much personal growth and development you have to do to keep up with the business. Um, you know, in a great way. Like I'm a very, very growth oriented person, but um yeah, it stretches you. Um, cause you know what, like a year ago or, or a year and a half ago, like we were four people in a room, you know, together. And, um, now we're 20 people and we're about to move into an even bigger office. And, um, you know, just kind of the pace at which everything, um, is happening means that you just have such an identity shift. I would say every six months. Um, I remember like kind of the first time that, I had that realization of like, oh, wow, like, you know, everything that I do matters and sends a signal. And, you know, um, as the team gets bigger, like, and, and people don't know you quite as well, you know, you're not just like a another collaborator at the table, like, you know, just l- l- the little things that you say and do or, or express interest in or don't express interest in carry a lot of weight. Um, and, you know, every kind of co-founder CEO that you talk to, also has that like kind of wow moment, like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Um, and so it's, it's getting used to that, you know, and, and making sure that you're really spending the time on, on important things, you know, uh, opening up conversations that are important, addressing issues that are important, um, celebrating the wins, you know, really spending time on culture and not, um, you know, just on, on execution and, and kind of, that shift, I think, that you move from being a, 
a hustler individual contributor to all of a sudden you're a leader and you know you just have to be thinking about all those things all the time um which is is really great like i you know i think i'm gonna learn and i'm gonna grow so much through this experience and it's really rewarding yeah, absolutely. And obviously you're, you're, you know, you're doing, you're doing pretty well. So, um, obviously you guys just raised, just raised your, your most recent round and you guys are killing it. And, um, one thing I want, one last thing I wanted to ask you before we, we kind of wrap things up is, uh, so how, how do you feel about the, the startup world and, uh, you know, female founders and all that? Like, you, do you feel like it's going in the right direction? It's obviously there's so many years of, um, you know, like wage gaps and, you know, we can talk for days about all that stuff. So, I mean, do you feel like, the startup world is, is moving in the right direction? Do you feel like there's certain things that aren't being done that should be done? Like, what, where is your stance on all that? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think I have always been a very kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe masculine female or just like kind of like I, I, I'm, I am competitive. I'm a go-getter, very like kind of aggressive. And, and so maybe I fit slightly more that archetype of um, – like I haven't encountered a whole lot of, you know, judgment or discrimination from a um, fundraising. Don't take shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm confident and I'll, you know, kind of just go in there and really believe in what I'm talking about. And I think that that like confidence is really what it is, is like, um, I think that translates and that's just really important when they talk about um, when we think about female empowerment, a lot of it, that it comes around um, building confidence and, you know, having your voice, um, making sure that, you know, you just, you believe in what you're saying and, and you're kind of representing that. So that other believe others believe you too. And so I'm a big, I am a big believer in like, it starts with your confidence. Um, I think where I've probably experienced a little bit more of, um, it's just a dance, you know, I think when you're a female founder, um, you know, and, and female CEO, and I've talked about this with, you know, other female CEOs, I think there's just slightly different expectations of you from the team. You know, people want you to be like, you're, you, there can be kind of double standards of, you know, you need to be tough and you need to be, you know, setting the strategy and showing the way and being the leader, but then you also need to be vulnerable and you have to like show your emotions and you have to like show, you can't be, you know, so optimistic. And, and, and so you kind of have to like balance these different identities that I think men don't necessarily, that isn't, that same thing isn't necessarily expected of them. Um, and I think when you also start to succeed, you know, people just don't even realize they're doing it consciously, but I think there can be people can be harder on, on women that are successful or, or more kind of judgmental of like, Oh, she's, you know, cutthroat or like, you know, whatever it is, like I, I've never been characterized as cutthroat, but like just aggressive, I guess, is, is maybe they might label us with words like that. Um, yeah. Whereas a guy they're they're celebrating it. And so I think there's still some work to be done in how we perceive what, like what we expect of female CEOs and how we perceive their success um, that I think would be, you know, helpful to just empower more women to go out there and crush it and just, you know, celebrate them and, and not be so hard on them. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like you can look into sports too and like how I mean, there's so many different things like how, you know, Serena Williams gets destroyed for having a little fit and then someone right. else does it. And they, no, they that totally happened recently too. It. And I was honestly losing it because she won her hundredth, um, I think like Grand Slam appearance or something like that. And the second person to follow is like Federer and he's only had like 77 times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and people were saying like all this mean stuff and I'm like, yo, get out of your high horse. 
Uh, she's an right? incredible athlete. She's an incredible personality. And she's so much good. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of work to be done, but I'm so excited to have amazing people like you, Adele, who's creating infrastructure, paving the way and building amazing oh. companies while you're at it. Oh, <laughs> thank oh. you. Yeah. So thank just wanted you. to say, this has been an amazing conversation and now's the time for the wrap up. So awesome. this is your time to drop your name, drop your handle where people can find you and tell us <laughs> what we can do to help your community. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And, and great questions. It's just super fun to, you know, talk about all the things. So um, my uh, our handle is at Eterniva, E-T-E-R-N-E-V as in Victor A. Um, find us on Instagram. We have an amazing community there and like tell so many stories about the remarkable loved ones that start this process. And like all the videos are going to give you all the feels like it's it's the best um my personal handle is at adele a-d-e-l-l-e archer um you can find me there and then our website is eternava.com boom i already gave you the insta follow and tagged you in some stuff but i'll be sure to add the eternava tag as well so um, this has been so yeah this has been so awesome so glad to have you on here glad we got to take you out of your busy schedule to get you on the podcast Um, it took a little for all of us to sync up but it worked out so one, one last thing too. So we'll, we'll offer your audience a, a small gift if them or anybody, you know, they know could use this process or, you know, that it would be helpful to them. Um, we'll offer a free welcome kit, which is normally a hundred dollars on our website. Um, they should just use oh, the wow. building buyers, uh, code, discount code at checkout and they'll get a free welcome kit. Okay. Boom. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll be sure yeah. to add that to the the podcast link and add that to the socials too. So yeah, we'll share with your um, friends and family. Of absolutely. Um, absolutely. Cool. This is great. Yeah. We don't get discount codes. To, well, we don't really ask for them actually. So I appreciate it. We need it. Farhaj, we're going to start asking for them. Yeah, um, you really should. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, yeah, you've changed the future of our podcast. There we go. Um, <laughs> 80, 80 episodes in and we're just like, oh, we should do that. Boom. Yeah. Um, thank you. Well, Adele, thank you so much. Uh, Have an awesome day. Enjoy uh, Austin, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Talk to you all later. Bye. Thanks, everyone, so much for tuning in to the Building Fires podcast. Yeah, man. We're planning on dropping episodes every Monday, talking to some amazing guests and giving you the content you deserve. Boom. Farhaj and I are so grateful for you guys. No, I can can edit this. I know. Farhaj and I are so grateful for all of your support. If you can, please leave five stars and a review on your podcast app, whichever one you use. Farhaj and I would definitely appreciate it. Trying to get our uh, little podcast SEO up. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, you know, looking forward to seeing you next week and we're excited to make... Ugh, one second. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you next week. We got some exciting guests for you. Boom. Guests for you. Guests for (laughs) you. You scurvy curse. Uh, <laughs> <boom. Arr. laughs> <Boom. laughs>